0: New World Pictures Podcast presents in association with Ryan, Mark, and Erica, Inc., LLC Limited Company, LTD, Inc., DDS. (laughs) Hey, everybody! It's the third annual
1: Roger Gorman Birthday Celebration! That's right, it's that time of year, it's April, it's Roger Corman's birthday, and we're so excited to celebrate him yet again, because this is the New World Pictures podcast, so of course, we owe everything to Roger Corman. As you guys may or may not remember, our very first Roger Corman celebration, we all had the simple task of watching the House of Usher, but that was a difficult assignment for some
0: (laughs) Damn near impossible, because, some would say. Because
2: some of us thought that the assignment was Mask of the Red Death, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very similar films with very similar sounding titles. S- similar cast. It was all the same. 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 No one's pointing fingers. So it's... similar that it took 15 minutes into the episode before one of us realized that maybe <laughs> they didn't watch the right movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. For Roger, 97 years young.
2: Wow! Wow! Amazing!
1: Uh, but yes, it's time to celebrate, Roger. I'm Ryan. With me, as always, is Mark. Happy birthday,
2: Roger
0: and Erica. Roger, this is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey! <laughs> so as we were saying,
1: so we had our first uh, first annual celebration. We talked about two different movies. We decided to carry that into each year we will do a a different movie. And we don't know what that movie is going to be. So Eric and I watched a movie. Mm -hmm. Mark has watched a movie. We've only done this for three years. But last year we did not watch the same movie. I doubt we're going to watch the same movie this year. (laughs) Mark. I doubt it too. Let's go ahead. You got the first selection. Why don't you just let everybody know which of Roger's very rich and long filmography, what
2: what film did you pick? Well, I've got a trailer to kick this off. Okay.
3: Starring Jason Robards, unforgettable as Al Capone. I'm talking about staying alive! Try getting it through your cement head that what Moran pulled so far, that's for openers. He wants me! He would be dead. George Siegel as Peter Gusenberg, the enforcer. It's not the pipes at all. It's the beer. You got green beer. Here, you can smell it. See what I mean? Ralph Meeker as notorious Bugs Moran, who challenged the Capone Empire. I say it's time we put Capone and his bums out of business. For good. all the annals of crime films. You have never witnessed such savagery and authenticity. A vice ring that earned $367 million in one year. 21,000 speakeasies. 618 murders. Wild platinum parties. <laughs> way rides in an era when love and death were for sale on the flaming battleground called Chicago. It's all set for this Thursday, Mr. Capone, in the morning, around 10.30. We got a nice valentine all ready to deliver. <laughs> a valentine for bugs. Say, Jack, just
2: make sure it's a great big red valentine, huh? Yes, it's 1967's The St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Nice. Oh, nice.
0: Nice.
2: Good pick. It, it, and I, uh, am gonna, I'm giving myself a little pat on the back for this one, because I really liked this movie. Have either of you watched this? I have not seen this one. No. It is... A really good movie. Uh, obviously, growing up in the era that we did, it's impossible to not drop the prohibition. to- <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Did you feel like this hit close to home because you were growing up at that time or you were already 21 at that time? Like, I'm not sure. How old are you guys? Yeah, he was old
1: enough to
2: drink at that time. That's why it really, that's why it's really tough.
1: man, I could have a drink, but damn it, I can't.
2: Yeah. I- i making beer in my garage right now. Um, <laughs> illegally. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's impossible to not draw comparisons to The Untouchables, but this one is set mm-hmm. up very much to be almost like a documentary style uh, retelling of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Uh, and it does a really effective job in the way that it tells the story. So it opens up with the massacre already happening. You don't see the massacre, but you hear it. And a woman... Like you could see people on the street that are running, hearing the gunshots. A woman walks into the building, sees obviously dead people, and she screams. And it sets up this environment, this world around you, and then proceeds to go through Al Capone and uh, 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 all, all like uh, uh, Bugsy uh, Moran and all the the people that are involved with all these different mafia. families explaining each of their role and the, the sequence of events that led up to the St. Valentine's day massacre. And one thing that's really interesting is they do, when they introduce each person that is a part of this story, they will show the person talking and they'll have a VO that says, you know, Peter Gusenberg was born in uh, August 14th, 1858 or whatever explains like married twice was uh had a had a rap sheet of blah 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 blah, and then says died on this day and so you get an introduction of where these people actually like where they where they came from what they were involved in with the family or if they were adjunct to the family they 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 call that out and the person that's doing or the voice that's doing the vo through this whole movie is the same voice that uh does that that narrates the entire experience of the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland.
1: Oh, wow. (gasps) Oh, wow. Which is
2: awesome. I didn't realize that he did anything else. And so it's really cool (laughs) to listen because you're always like, you know, I'll lower the bar bar for you. You keep thinking like he's going to say that at any moment, which he doesn't. (laughs) Um, But they go through the entire sequence of of events leading up to this. And then right as it gets up to the St. Valentine's Day Massacre moment. They cover each person that was killed. And the VO on this, at this, at 7.04 on this day, this person was looking to, was hoping to buy a new car and was thinking about getting a new car later that day, but would be dead in three hours. This wow. other person was, had said goodbye to their family or said goodbye to his girlfriend and was thinking, ah, it's time to get a new girlfriend because they're a dime a dozen. And was dead in three hours. Like, it, it's a really interesting, almost documentary wow. style That's cool. setup for this moment. Uh, it's, for, it's beautifully shot. Uh, it is a little bit, it's hard to differentiate the locations because they shot this on, uh, like, the 20th Century Fox lot. Mm. and so everything kind of looks the same because mm-hmm. you're just going from like the same downtown shot to the same downtown shot Got there it. are a lot of characters in this movie so it becomes very quickly difficult to remember who shot who yeah, it looks who like pissed a pissed off cast. who great cast it's, ca- a, lot it's a great cast but it is a ton of people so it's a little bit it could be a little bit overwhelming uh trying to keep up with everybody. But it's well paced. Uh, it's not too long. it's beautifully shot. Uh, it has Jack Nicholson in a teeny tiny role as one wow. of the one of the shooters at the uh, for the Valentine's Day massacre. Uh, and it has uh, Dick Miller. it has Dick Miller. Also <gasps> in the same scene, really? same scene with Jack Nicholson. They both play cops who are, you know, the shooters of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, but they're just like each one has I think I think Jack Nicholson only has one line. And Dick wow. Miller only has a couple lines, and they're not mm. even credited. They're just extras that are in there. But it's fascinating to see them suddenly show up and actually as you watch this movie, people who ended up becoming really big stars come in as like little bit parts and then they leave and you're like, "Oh, that person. Oh, wow, that person's in this?" Uh it's it's a really uh well done fun movie to watch. It's it's tense. Uh, mm. uh Jason Robards does a great Al Capone. And what's interesting is they show Al Capone of course like his kind of craziness and the guys really angry and he wants to kill Bugsy Moran and he doesn't want, he doesn't listen to reason, but they also show a side of him when one of his affiliates gets murdered where he's really physically upset about it like actually crying about it and Mm. you don't normally get movies that show like an Mm -hmm. emotional side of al capone um and is it
1: after he kills the guy with a bat
2: (laughs) i think you're you're thinking of the untouchables. No, uh, no no no, i know i
1: know but but how do they do it in this movie
2: that that scene doesn't doesn't happen in this movie what I, that's a yeah.
1: seminal moment from Capone's
2: life. That's crazy. I, don't I remember think that's the a seminal
1: that well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just have to a, trust you on that one. I
2: think that's a seminal moment in the Intouchables. Uh but also Sean Connery's not in this. Just what? in case <laughs>
1: Oh you're talking to me you out sure? now. You're talking to me out yeah. of this.
2: Sure? Yeah, sorry about that. Ooh, no, do he's you not want me to...
1: to Oh no. But where oh. did you watch this, by the way?
2: Uh, I watched it on Amazon Prime. I bought it oh, on okay, Amazon cool. Prime. Uh, uh, okay, and it's it they've it got a good. The print looks great that they okay. that they stream. So um, I'm sure you could buy it elsewhere, but I was pressed for time, and that was the easiest way to watch it. So, um, but yeah, a real surprise. I, I you know, last year uh, I I really rolled the dice with uh, was it yeah Frankenstein yeah. Unbound. <laughs> Unbound, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you went frank- to the end uh,
1: of the filmography. <laughs> Frankenstein <laughs> right. Unbound,
2: really, t- really going for the last hit. Uh, yeah, and wow. this one, uh, this one was a much, much more just totally enjoyable movie. Like watching experience. Like I will, I want to after this uh, sometime the next week or two. Like this will be a movie night with the family because I think it's a re- wow. It's, it's what a, a really wild fun ride movie. you've been yeah. on.
0: I feel wow. frank from Frankenstein bound to the Saint Valentine's Day Massacre. When you
1: when you get the family together to watch it, you're talking about. we're still talking about Frankenstein unbound, right?
2: Right. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm talking about Saint Valentine's Day Massacre on this Oh, one. oh, okay. And then you oh, I see cuz you're going to play that first. And then right. Frankenstein. It, it'll unbound. be a double feature of Saint Valentine's Day Massacre and it's Frankenstein. Unbound. It's like we're unbound. at the drive-in. <laughs> we get two movies. But which one do you start with? <laughs> Ooh, wow.
1: I would probably say St. Valentine's Day Massacre just so you know your family will make it through one movie. Right. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Then, that's probably that's smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause then they'll start questioning you during Frankenstein Unbound and why and what is this and does this get better?
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> they might get quite you might get questions like that. I'm not saying for sure you will, but you might. Mm-hmm. You might. Yeah, I, I definitely will. Definitely towards the, the end of the movie. Uh, when uh, they travel in time to the frozen mm. wasteland, I think, mm-hmm. my, my, I think that's when my I think that's what I'd get a real raised eyebrow. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here exactly? I thought for a second when we saw, listened to that trailer, I was like,
1: "Oh, is is this Machine Gun Kelly?" I thought for sure that might be it because that's been on Prime for a bit too, and that's one I have watched it. Well. Uh, but but I have not seen Saint Valentine's Day Massacre. But now we're gonna have to. I recommend it. Sounds it. like a really good. It was really, good.
0: really good. Yeah, we'll just double feature it with Unbound. Let's go. <laughs> 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 oh, I, the Cools just call it Unbound. Yeah, unbound. They <laughs> just straight up go Unbound. <laughs> the Cools call, the call it Frankensteins The Frankenstein Cools. Yeah.
1: Stein Unbound. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Well, or? and I
2: yeah, I would just say that there's a scene where George Seagal's character, Peter Gusenberg, gets into a fight with his mistress. And it is, it is one hell of a of a fight that lasts a long time. And I, it, it's, I don't how she didn't end up actually hurt is any mis- is a mystery because oh, wow. mm, it's a lot of throwing stuff around, breaking things. Um, yeah, it was. It's. Uh, I was like, wow, this is pretty intense, especially for 1967. And the fact that she's wearing a negligee. And being mm-hmm. thrown around nice. a room. Neglige. We all know what that is. <laughs> that seems like a really
1: appropriate word.
2: <laughs> Especially for that time. Particularly <laughs> for nineteen sixty seven, you bet. Yeah. That's yeah. how they talk Prohibition about. Prohibition was then. high negligé. That was a, a, lot hot of negligee negligee <laughs> it's a high negligee. Low period. alcohol,
0: high neglige. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I say it differently than you guys, negligé.
2: Neglige, yeah,
1: you do say it differently.
0: How do you say it? Neglige? Negligé.
1: You say negle, negligé. Like
0: megalodon, (laughs) negligé. (laughs) It's a big nightgown, right?
1: (laughs) That megalodon is wearing a negligé. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 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 Our movie that we watched was from a different era in Corman's career. Negligé,
0: negligé, negligé, negligé. <laughs> See, I don't think it's saying it right. It's negligé. <laughs> I,
2: I don't think. I don't think there's. All right. Sorry. Okay, you- let me. Negligee. Negligé. Negligé.
0: Negligé.
2: <laughs> okay, you're from a different Corman period. Okay, let's hear. Let's. Yep.
1: That's right. The Fast and the Furious. Not the one from 2001, but the one from
2: 1954.
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like the trailer works, though. I couldn't the find the, works. can't find the original trailer. So,
2: you know, that one will just have to do. Mm-hmm. I was about to mm-hmm. say, what the hell? did? Are we now allowing things that he produced it or tangentially was involved yes. in? Yes. Well,
1: that's the thing. I figured... Th- that might be a, that might be something you were, you'd bring up, because this is not a movie he directed. It is the second movie he produced. However, considering the first year we couldn't even get the right film, I figured all bets are off.
2: <laughs> well, this opens up a lot of opportunities for me. <laughs> this
1: does. Uh, like I said, this is his second movie that he's produced, but he does second unit on this movie. And he ends up uh, after doing second unit on this. He decides he wants to direct. So after this, he starts directing movies. So this is the movie that sort of pushed him to that. Um, it's significant, uh, I think, for that because he, you know, was it sort of led him into directing. Also, like I said, he 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 just started producing. It's also when he releases this movie, the first movie that he produces is Monster from the Ocean Floor. He takes some of the money from that and he puts it into this and uses his production company, Palo Alto Productions, which he continues to hold on to. I think he held on to that while he was working um, with his brother Gene on their uh, film group uh, production company, which is the company they did before New World. And he uses Palo Alto Productions actually when they made Slumber Party Massacre, which Mm, they made just as Corman had sold the company. So New World releases the movie and distributes it. But Palo Alto Productions is the production company when he makes that. So, but um, so he make takes some of that money to make this, and this is a higher budgeted movie than the one he first did, and it stars a couple of uh, big stars that he got for next to nothing. It stars um, John Ireland.
0: You just said stars so many times. It stars 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 a lot Here's of big thing. stars. It stars, stars stars and they're stars. stars. And they had stars, and they were stars. And in this, they're stars. Also, I think it's really worth mentioning that I don't care for the name Palo Alto Pictures.
1: <laughs> Palo Alto Productions? Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, whatever it is. I don't care for it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a curious name. but It's
0: an, it's an important fact. Yeah. <laughs> slash opinion.
1: I mean, uh, he, he went to Stanford, so I guess he maybe spent some time in the Bay Area. Um, maybe that's where he gets a little bit of that name, Corman, but
0: maybe it's also cuz i'm just very fond of new world at this point that i feel oh, yeah. like i just yeah eh.
1: yeah none of the names he does like when he sells the company then he goes he starts making movies under millennium which we already talked about some of those movies love letters screwballs space raiders and we've already reviewed those so look back and check out those episodes mm-hmm. and he doesn't like that name so then he goes to new horizons and concord which again Nah, not as good as New World Pictures. No, no. He kind of nailed nope, it. Kind of nailed it on that New World one. Pictures is it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, you would you would suspect our bias in this case. Yeah. But, but I, I think that we're right on this. When he talks about, in his autobiography, Corman talks about uh, this movie. He says, For the Fast and the Furious, a race car drama, I hired established actors, John Ireland and Dorothy Malone, for less than their regular prices. <laughs> of course. Ireland originally course rejected my offer. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, uh, he I got re- him
0: on sale. <laughs> <laughs> what like, a bargain! I'd go to their agent with a coupon. Like, how did he figure this out?
1: I want to hire him, but for thirty percent off. Yeah. <laughs> Ireland originally rejected my offer, but like Barney, he had other goals. I'm not sure what the Barney re- refers to, but he says anyway. Uh, Let me direct the film, he said, and I'll play the lead for your price. Of course, I replied. Uh, this is also something he does uh, with uh, Ron Howard later on after he makes Eat My Dust. And uh, Ron Howard comes back to him and says, I'll, I'll, I'll make another movie because I'm sure you want to do a follow up. But this time I'm also going to direct and I'll do it for like the same cost. And, hmm. and he, of course, was like, I, <laughs> from what I heard Corman say, he said, uh, he said, uh, Ron, I've always seen you as a director. <laughs> Of course he would
2: be like, what
1: a deal. Let's take it.
2: That's the Roger Uh, Corman equivalent of
1: shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And John Ireland uh, was, you know, he co-directs this. He had had been nominated for an Academy Award for 1949's All the King's Men. So Hmm. this was a very reputable guy. I'm not sure how reputable of a director he is, but, um, and he would go on after this. They apparently got along well because he then would, be a star in Corman's 1956 western gunslinger um, Dorothy Malone was mo- mostly a b-movie actress leading up to this point but she had bu- she had done a bunch of uh, she'd done some smaller roles in some bigger movies but uh, after this she goes on and wins the best supporting actress Oscar for 1956's written on the wind which I haven't seen but sounds a bit pretentious you know <laughs>
0: For some reason it reminds also you can't
1: me- write anything on the wind like it's yeah. it's pointless you get that pen out there's nothing you can't do anything yeah it'll probably blow the pen out of your hand
0: yeah it sounds like just like a really fancy way to talk about a fart
2: right yeah it does it does you what the was minute that? you said nothing. that I
0: was just writing on the wind <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> You think a lot of things
1: that. are basically fart <laughs> cover-ups. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he also says in his autobiography, he says, John did a fine job of directing, that's one way to put it,
0: on a nine-day <laughs> shoot with a
1: budget of $50,000. Wow. It was quite a jump from the 12000 for Monster, but I wanted to get into another class of film. From this, he sells this to a company um, called American Releasing Corporation. That company is run by Sam Arkoff and Jim Nicholson. And of course, they quickly changed the name from uh, ARC to AIP, American International Pictures. So this is the beginning of that company, which he worked for for a long time and made all of his Poe films for and he worked for AIP forever and eventually gets kind of sick of not making enough of the not making all of the money he decides to start new world pictures so um this is I mean even more significant than I thought when we picked it as for the story I mean as its later iterations would suggest this is all about family (laughs)
2: Oh, shit. Uh, oh, shit. Some zero I mean, sugar cherry Pepsi almost came out of my nose on that oh, one. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah. Nothing clears
0: the sinus cavity quite like Nothing. cherry peps. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. So, yeah, is, this is.
1: This go is ahead. about family. You know what I mean? And uh <laughs> you don't go against family. That's how they're similar. These two movies are similar. So is John
2: Ireland playing the Vin Diesel character in this one?
1: <laughs> I mean, mm. he's playing probably, he's actually probably playing both the Vin, he can, he is playing the Vin Diesel role in this, mm-hmm. but he's also kind of playing the Paul Walker role to a degree. Mm. Uh, he's basically plays a g- criminal who, uh, escapes tracking, tracking. And, but, he, uh, so he's on the run mm-hmm. he's using an assumed identity. Uh, he hangs out for a, l- <laughs> it,
0: uh, to be fair, it okay. just feels like a name that he made up on the spot.
1: <laughs> he apparently took it from another yeah. inmate in the, in the prison, but he go he, this is, he has a scowl on his face, John mm-hmm. Ireland, in this movie that, it makes sense that like the first place he goes, which he goes to a diner and he runs, you know, immediately into uh, Dorothy Malone there, but uh, he walks into it and it's, he has such a scowl that you're like, of course people would immediately start questioning him. And what are you doing? And like, what's your name? Also, it feels like uh, from all the movies I watched from the fifties that it, it just was very general for strangers to be like, Hey, what's your name? And that was cool.
2: Yeah. You so know, is Dorothy Malone playing come? kind of like a hard-ass Michelle Rodriguez kind of character in this movie.
1: <laughs> Dorothy Malone, she's hmm, I don't no. think so. I no, she's well not.
0: at times. At times she, she is resourceful. She, she does get herself out of trouble. She's not
1: allowed to be the badass Michelle Rodriguez because she eventually she has a cool jag. There's that. She's oh, okay. Got a cool, All right. A white jaguar with a with a with like. Uh, no top to it. Mm -hmm. So it is, and that apparently was also John Ireland's actual car. Oh, wow. um, Because he has that be the race car. And actually, Corman fills in for one of the other racers. He actually drives some of the cars in the race scenes. Oh, really? Huh? But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. Um, He, uh, she wants, eventually they, he, he kind of kidnaps her and he wants to then, get himself into this race. This race will end in Mexico, so he'll get himself out of the country and of course that's what he's looking to do. When they try to sign up, how, how
2: does kidnapping her get Because he needs a car. Cuz he needs a car. It's her car,
1: oh. so he's taking her and her car and he just has, you know, she he's keeping her from running to the cops and also keeping her to help be a cover story cuz then they they she kind of in, inexplicably starts to kind of go along with this plan in a weird way. There's a lot of, there's some instant Stockholm syndrome that happens mm-hmm. with her and uh, she, but she doesn't get to be fully Letty, if you will. Michelle Rodriguez's character. Oh, that's Michelle Rodriguez's character's name. Oh, I thought you were uh, being Because coin. when they go to the, to the race, she's not allowed to sign up because she's a woman. Yeah. Right. So right, you no know ladies right. allowed. So he, right. so she takes him out on the course just to warm up. And she sort of in that time teaches him sort of how to race. Cause he doesn't really. So do they do like, kind drive, of a, but...
2: like a reverse bosom buddies and she dresses like a guy and they have to try to like, or no, or, like just one of the boys. No. And no. so that there's a lot of high jinks. Because... I
1: mean, I wasn't thinking disappointingly about this movie, but now I am. Cause that would have been something to do that. That would have been great. But that's not what they do. That's but not she's what they do. too
0: much of a known factor. Like, once they arrive at the race, everyone knows her. And she's, like, very well known. Mm-hmm. So then Got she it. sort of has to play it like he's her boyfriend. Right. And, and, right. and then, right. in turn, other racers are like, ah, him? Like, literally, like, what do you see in him? Uh. Yeah. Like, they're and all And they all ask him a ton of
1: questions that she is terrible at deflecting mm-hmm. or answering in a way that's satisfying He's yeah. always like, so they're always like, okay, which I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. if you're really on the run, like try to like, you know, play the game a bit better. But yeah, he just has such a scowl on his face, which somehow she falls for. Oh, yeah, she um, does. But there is, we, it takes a little while to get to the racing. That's the thing. Um, this one's pretty brisk as movies go. It's about seven, it's below 80 minutes. So it's yeah. like, oh, wow, 76 minutes or so. Uh, 73 actually. Mm-hmm. And it takes a little bit to get to the racing. Cause the big, the race, of course, they get to, into the race. She shows them how to race. And then we have some more time spent with the two of them. Then we get, the race is the big ending set piece. So that's our big moment. Um, where we, uh, I think they did actually shoot that in, um, let me see where they shot that. I, I thought you might be interested in that Mark, but maybe
2: I'm wrong. I'm just saying if she was if if they did do kind of a bosom buddies thing, is is she more of a Peter Scolari or more of a Tom Hanks in this one? She is definitely a Peter Scolari. <laughs> okay. And he is a Tom okay.
1: Hanks, but like a mean Tom Hanks. Yeah. Like oh. an angry oh. Tom Hanks. Okay, he's like T
0: H O M Hanks. Yeah. You know? he's, like, Hanks. he's like more <laughs> yeah. emo and angry.
1: He's like a Chet Hanks, if we're honest.
2: <laughs> Chet, Chet Hanks. <laughs>
1: yeah. He's more Chet Hanks. Like he's like White Boy Summer coming up. Like you're like, oh,
2: you're disappointing.
1: You're a little disappointing.
2: Wow. <laughs> uh okay. I love it.
1: Um, this was I thought was was pretty funny. Um by the way, it was shot around it was shot around Malibu and also Point Doom. That's where they shot all of it. And uh
2: Point four <laughs> Point Doom! Point Doom, Point doom
1: point dune it got there was like few sandworms that came out while they were racing it was pretty fun uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> crack yourself up on that one i had to get a thumper <laughs> i was waiting for mark dunes is jam it's like you really let me down on that one what's interesting if you go on the wikipedia page which by the way you can see the movie on the wikipedia page they actually have the full movie there but oh. you can also see it on tubi and it's also on freebie if you have prime so there's plenty of places you can watch this. and um, But this is how they describe the end of the movie. And when I say we're not going to spoil anything for you, I really mean it because I'll, I'm curious to see what Erica's reaction is. We get into the race. During the race, Frank, that's John Ireland, abandons his chance to escape when he chooses to aid Faber, that's the guy he's racing against, who has crashed into a truck after a dramatic railway crossing.
0: Mm-hmm
1: so far so good Mm -hmm. out of sympathy for frank and a desire to be with him connie that's dorothy malone gives frank the keys to her car so he might escape capture and trial nope Uh, nope nope that doesn't happen that doesn't happen that is not what
0: occurs (laughs) nope
1: at the last moment frank also decides it is better to take the keys and escape to mexico than to turn himself in and somehow find a future with Connie.
2: No, no. that is incorrect. Nope. Mm-mm. The, the movie. Maybe, ends they, with, maybe they also watched a different uh, Roger perhaps. movie. Perhaps
1: the, the movie ends with his successful entry into Mexico and him driving off into the sunset. No, no, it does not. No, it is not at all the Mm-mm. ending, but you know, what does sort of end this way? Two thousand and one, the, the, the Red Fast Death? and the Furious. Oh. <laughs> when Paul Walker lets Vin Diesel just drive to Mexico oh, and doesn't God. take him,
0: doesn't capture him. Someone has inputted that ending into this.
2: Um, yes. Oh. Do you think they? Do you think they had a stroke halfway through the description? And I, and I no. think they're just sort of both the, movies. The the
1: because I we went we started this on freebie. I will say. um, the 2B1 looked be- a little bit better. Dewey, Dewey. So we went and watched <laughs> that. So I went back to the freebie version and I was like, does that have a different ending that we didn't see? Cause the ending we have is very much a very happy ending and the right thing mm-hmm. was done and not at all this crazy no. ending, but I'm like, Oh, the ending of fast and furious is him giving the keys to the car and saying, yeah, take off, head out to Mexico. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to chase after you. Yeah. And then, too Fast, Too Furious, Paul Walker is not even a cop anymore. Hiding
2: out in Florida. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I forgot he was a cop in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> but. Damn it, Mark.
0: Mark, come on. Oh, damn it, just commit to the franchise. Ah. Right.
2: This is one that I have not. This is another franchise I haven't committed to. Oh,
0: no. Well, so We're are you saying, to.
2: wait, hold on. Does this make it close enough that we could do this as another uh, franchise countdown, <laughs> franchise ranking? Oh, is I mean, it 10, is it close enough? Is it close enough?
1: Well, I'll tell you this: um, in order when they initially made the first Fast and Furious movie, which is how we sort of thought about this, because of course there's going to be the tenth installment of that franchise coming out soon. Yep, mm-hmm. they uh, initially called it something like they had several different titles. One of them, I think, was like Race Wars or Street Racer. And then they found the the original title, The Fast and the Furious, from Corman's film. And they had to license the name from
2: Corman. Yeah, of course they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's perfect. still going out to his mailbox and getting that Fast and Furious money. Oh.
1: Well, this is... I'm not sure if this is what they did, but this is like what... Um, Neil Moritz, who's the uh, the 2001 Fast and the Furious producer, he told um, Entertainment Weekly in two, 2016, he says, um, so Universal went to Roger Corman and we were able to trade the title for some stock footage. Roger Corman, he wants to make a deal. He was happy to get the footage. We were happy to get the title. I'm not sure if that's what he traded it for, but um, I did listen okay. to him on Charles Band's uh, uh, podcast. And he instantly talks to him about Fast and the Furious and he says, would you think about like making a sequel to that? And he was like, well, I really can't because the now the title owns is owned by somebody else. So he speaks of it like a little bit more like it might be more equitable, but he doesn't get into the terms. He certainly never mentions the stock footage. Now, would Corman trade a title of one of his 50s movies for some pretty sweet stock footage he was going to make a whole other movie out of yeah i mean i could yeah, see that certainly yeah i mean i could see that happening that sounds I, plausible
2: I, it does but the timeline doesn't really line up like was he going to make a movie at that time
1: i mean he was, was still making movies at that time so and you know this movie also takes use of stock footage from race from other races <laughs> yes it does which it sort of hashtag clunkily. <laughs> inserts into the race <laughs> sure us. Hey. Sure good job
0: yeah audio cheers couldn't possibly be sound effect for that so audio <laughs> cheers is the best you're gonna get
1: um so yeah i i would say i'm probably more intrigued with your choice i thought this was fine this is a pretty typical 1950s movie yeah you know, it's a it's a bad guy. It turns out he's not really a bad guy. Like he didn't really do what he was went to jail for. But he's angry about it, and he's just trying to get away and start over. And she sort of brings him back. You know, what I mean, it's it's yeah. there's not a lot of surprises to it. There is a good um, there's a good couple scenes in the diner. Uh, I can't remember who the lady is who plays the the uh, waitress in the diner, but she's definitely the comic relief mm-hmm. of this, of the film. And she's very good. And, um, you know, the race of the stuff at the end, was, was kind of cool. Um, Corman says about it. Cause he was, uh, one of the stunt drivers. He couldn't afford two stunt drivers. So John, who directed the long master shot, put our one driver in his own white jag coming around the final turn, neck and neck, Knowing the other driver was supposed to surge ahead and win, I got carried away and beat him, ruining the first take. This is what what Roger says in his autobiography. John ran to the track and said, what the hell are you doing out there? I said, he wasn't going fast enough. I wasn't exactly going to hit the brakes and let him pass. This is a racetrack, not a country road. If I slow down that much, it looks bad. John reminded the other driver, you're trying to beat Roger.
2: Get up some speed. (laughs) <laughs> but of course, Rogers like, yeah. But in the end, I'm willing to spend on that extra on that extra footage <laughs> right, just right. so I can beat your ass right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: that was so, a, that was a,
2: that was an ultimate. Ro- that was a Corman flex. Is what that? Oh, was. Oh, totally, totally.
0: Ooh, hashtag Corman flex. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, uh, a Corman flex (laughs) is the fact that he is turning 97 years old. Ultra Corman flex, ultra Corman flex. Mm -hmm. What a Corman flex that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, So, you know, it's certainly interesting to see this early part of his career in a way, because we did choose a movie that he didn't direct. I was slightly disappointed because I know he would have done a better job directing this movie, Mm -hmm. even that early on in his career, because as we've learned, sort of going back and watching his, you know, directorial efforts since we started the podcast, like he's a damn good director. Yeah. I think he's way better than he's ever given credit for. It's just that he also will make a movie about a terrible sea creature with a, like a lousy costume and just be like, "We'll make it work." <laughs> like he's willing to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. So people are like, "Oh yeah, he just makes trash." I'm like, well, he can make trash. He can also make really good movies. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, the Poe films and apparently. Same mountain, same masker. masker. He, yeah.
2: It's it's great, and there isn't unlike the movie you watch. There isn't really much of a surprise at the end, mm. uh, but you kind of know that going in.
1: Do they eventually
2: let Al Capone run off to Mexico and
0: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> give him the keys heads to the car? Keys. He just drives. Off. He heads
2: off to Mexico. Yeah, and that's the end. Yeah, that's that's just how it goes.
1: Man, it's not. It's a. It's always a good ending and true to history. Mm-hmm. So I feel like. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Just tick two boxes with that. Historically accurate. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Just like the
1: real Capone. Just after (laughs) he hit that guy with the bat. And he took off in his car and he drove to
2: Mexico. and Never heard from him again. (laughs) Uh.
1: Until he came back and he decided to participate in that street race in Tokyo. And did all that (laughs) drifting. Gave himself away. And then all of a sudden he
0: was back. Then he was back. <gasps> oh, and then, he eventually, many years later, took a car to space. <laughs> well, he didn't.
1: He didn't. True. he friends didn't. did. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I believe Roman did that.
2: Oh wow!
0: See, Mark, we expect that kind of dedication from you to a franchise.
2: I think they if, take a car to space. If, if our- we.
0: If we could- but if, if we Al can Capone make something, then... was,
2: in, was the through line through all these movies, for some <laughs> reason, it's Al Capone. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so in.
1: Oh, it would shit. be really good.
2: Uh, so uh, maybe
1: when you finish showing the family St. Valentine's Day Massacre, you can also throw on The Fast and the Furious from 2001.
2: Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's
1: about family, Mark. Yeah. Family Yeah.
2: Film. Well, I guess for Saint Valentine's Day Massacre, they the Roger Corman originally wanted Orson Welles to play Al Capone, and the studio was like, "Fuck that noise! (laughs) You have to get an actor who is reliable." Uh, So he. This is nineteen sixty seven,
1: and it's to Fox, right? Isn't Fox the one that releases it?
2: Yep. Hmm. Because at that point
1: in time, he's made what um, Touch of Evil. Yeah, that was probably his most recent film. Or maybe the which he made for Universal. Universal. He made no, no, no. That's that's in the 40s. He made that right after oh. um, Citizen Kane.
0: This is all right We're, off the dome, right. fresh off the dome. Yep.
1: But I think he'd made. Um. He I think he had made for Universal. He'd made Touch of Evil, and that had been problematic. But I have to think if they didn't want to hire him as an actor, excuse me, they didn't want to hire him as an actor. That that meant he had been problematic on some other movie of which i i'm not sure which one that might have been
2: yeah they didn't say they just said that he just they needed to go for an actor who was reliable um and i guess he had demonstrated to not be very reliable orson oh orson wells was yeah was originally picked to play al capone jason robarts was to play george bugs bugs moran Wells was willing, but Fox vetoed the deal, feeling Wells was undirectable. Robarts mm. took over the role for Al Capone, for Capone, and Ralph Meeker was brought in to play Moran. So that's a interesting little tidbit there. Although it does say that Roger Corman reportedly wanted to cast Marlon Brando in the role of Al Capone. I'm not sure if that was mm-hmm. before, or after, uh, to, uh, uh, before or after wanting to before after wanting Orson Wells uh i
1: take it back orson wills did touch of evil in the 50s and he was already on to doing the trial in the early 60s so he was basically starting to make movies like overseas got it um he and so he was making movies on his own so i think his reputation of being somewhat difficult. He just done Times at Midnight. That's what would have been the one that would have been closer to 1967. But I don't know about him as an actor, but his reputation of being somewhat difficult. He'd had, you know, uh, uh, the lady from Shanghai, not do so hot. All those movies that, you know, because even by the time he does um, Touch of Evil, he hadn't made a Hollywood movie in like 10 years. So he had not, not a great reputation. He was fairly sullied around Hollywood. He had to come back and do magic and go to Dick Cavett show and bring his reputation
2: back. Well, Roger, the budget for St. Valentine's day massacre was $2.1 million. Roger said that he could have easily shaved a million dollars off the budget without changing the script or hiring different or less expensive directors. If he'd been allowed to shoot (coughs) in Chicago locations, using a mostly non-union crew, uh, he finished the movie four days early. And he didn't forget to hit his unofficial stock company and cast. uh, He didn't forget his unofficial stock company and cast some of them in the film, including Dick Miller, Jonathan Hayes, Betsy Jones, Moreland, Barbara Morris and Jack Nicholson. So that was his that was his crew that he brought in. Uh, And they he continued to have a
1: relationship with Fox because Fox hired him to start doing once he started New World Pictures. They hired him to start making million dollar exploitation films. So that's how he makes fighting mad. That's why he makes moving violation and also Capone. He made a Capone mm-hmm. for them in the seventies as yeah. well. Um, cool. That I think was directed by Steve Carver of uh big bad mama fame. Wow.
0: Also, wow. that was all fresh off the dome.
1: Mm-hmm. Fresh off the dome.
0: Yeah. So, and they were all- just <clears throat> on fire tonight. Woo.
1: They would give him just a million dollars each for those movies, and as we when we talked about movie violation, it's like, oh, this is like really good quality, like a regular New World picture, but like high quality because he actually had a decent budget. He didn't yeah. really right. try to undercut himself, right, with it. But yeah, um, yeah, Capone, nineteen seventy-five, Steve Carver,
0: dang, double check
1: okay. myself. <clears throat> so he had a good relationship with Fox. Yeah, well, that's it. That's that's uh, that's our celebration. couple Roger Corman films. What what movie should we talk about next year? Hit us up on the socials. Go to our website, www.newworldpicturespodcast.com. You can see all our socials. We're on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We're on MySpace. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we're not. You
0: already told everybody we're old by starting it with www dot.
2: <laughs> Yeah. We're on the World Wide Web.
1: We're
0: on the World yeah. Wide Web. Well, what are they supposed to put in
1: the front of the browser? They're just supposed to write New World Pictures <sighs> podcast. Talk. It does work. <gasps> oh, it does work. It
0: does. that does work.
1: HTTP Semicolon. Backslash. Backslash www dot okay look um go to our website you know what it is and uh <laughs> is that better that's terrible that's worse yeah. go to our website we have one just google it in your no, m- no. computer machine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Rogers
0: turning 97, but we are all already. Right. I am yeah,
1: I, be, I beat him.
0: Way beyond. I beat him. He would Way be beyond. like
1: um Ryan, uh, www is not necessary to say before you say a website.
0: Ryan, your website name is already too long. Don't add www. (laughs) I'd like to
1: trim a little bit off of your website. Can you get a stock
0: footage website that already Uh, exists and just trade them something for it? A t-shirt, perhaps. You could trade a New World t-shirt.
1: Ooh, we do have t-shirts, and you can get that on the website. You can find our socials. Tell us what Roger Corman film you love. And give us a five-star review if you can I know it's you're busy. We just thank you for listening. L- tell your friends. Tell people to listen to the show. That would that would be the best. Go on www.hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Sign up for a free email. It's free. Oh, no. Did you guys know this?
0: Oh, no. It's free. Oh,
1: no. It's free.
2: <laughs> Get a free email
1: and email your friends. Oh, They'll see it, too. That's the thing.
2: They don't even have to check their mailbox.
0: Oh
1: boy. And
2: the best part <laughs> Sign up for an electronic sta- mail. <laughs> don't need to buy don't need to buy stamps. You can send <laughs> to as many people as you want. No. Nope. Amazing. But, all, but also buy some stamps. They have a tough at the post office. Buy some <laughs>
1: <prices> from stamps. <laughs> buy those forever stamps. You can use them forever. That's why they're called that.
2: <laughs> the price never changes prices oh, go boy. up yours stay the same age the same oh, price
1: we're now just embarrassing poor roger
2: <laughs> he stopped birthday, listening roger? about 10 minutes ago yeah so. he, no.
1: <laughs> yeah he 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 tuned off he's on he's onto the canon cannon.
0: cannon. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is too long we don't use enough stock footage and there's no titties you know, i get <laughs> it i got it <laughs>
1: How do we get titties on the podcast?
0: (laughs) Audio titties!
1: (laughs) And on that note, happy birthday, Roger. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the New World Pictures Podcast. Bye, everybody!